Throughout this podcast, uh, there will be some recorded messages from other people on their memories and stories and thoughts of the late, great Peter Lorimer. The following podcast contains some strong language and some very average opinions. Any references to actual people are wildly inaccurate. It's probably best if you don't listen at all. The Roaring Peacock Podcast. Welcome back to the Roaring Peacock main cast. This is 90 miles per hour. Your stories of Peter Lorimer. Um, Coming up on the main cast, we'll be talking about winning in London. We'll be looking at the Alioski situation. Frank Worthington passed away as well. And we'll be talking about Peter Lorimer. Obviously, get your stats out for the lads. Stats is back with some more stats. Um, Ups and downs if we've got time and England. But first, the week began with an end to the three years wait for a win in London. A fired up Patrick Bamford, after missing out on England selection, bagged a goal and an assist despite nursing an injury in a 2-1 win in the capital, uh, all but securing Premier League football for another season. But it was heartache again for our community, as the passing of Peter Lorimer, youngest ever player and record goalscorer for Leeds United, succumbed to a long-term illness. And later in the week, another former player, Frank Worthington, passed away. Our thoughts are with their families, and we dedicate this episode to both of them. And Mark Jackson's under-23s proved that anything the first team can do, the under-23s can do too, with a rollicking 5-0 demolition job on a West Brom team that didn't know what day it was. A hat-trick from Joe Gelhart was supplemented with a goal from Crescencio Somerville and one of the goals of the season by Sam Greenwood, a free kick which pinged sweetly off the crossbar and post, something Peter Lorimer would have been proud of. Our youth pod has you covered for more from the academy. And Matthias Klick has tested positive for COVID. Withdrawing from the Polish national team, he hasn't looked his normal self for a while. We hope that he can rest up and get back to his energetic self as soon as possible. And Football Insider reported that Gianni Alioski has signed a pre-contract agreement with Galatasaray, sending Leeds Twitter into a meltdown and causing the Macedonian to receive death threats. It was a painful loss that cannot be forgotten and moving forward is sometimes, in some cases, impossible. But we're sure sending death threats to a player is not the answer. Two wrongs don't make a right, and while there is no smoke without fire, there is also no fire without fire. And within the no correspondence like Danny Mills, Football Insider are really not the most reliable source on the internet. And in non-Leeds-related news, it's been a year since the first lockdown, and through gritted teeth and extremely begrudgingly, it's probably time for me to start doing some exercise. (laughs) (laughs) And football's lawmakers are tinkering again. Hey! After the unabated success of Project Big Picture, VAR knee hairlines, and the European Super League, this time it's UEFA who are contemplating scrapping financial fair play, with Chelsea apparently licking their lips at the prospect of spending another billion in the summer with no consequences. So another successful rule change then! And Europe has been warned not to ban British vaccines as an important ingredient comes from Yorkshire. We reached out to ask them if that ingredient was gravy, um, but so far there's been no comment. 
There we go. Uh, that was your week. And uh, my name is Adonis. And you know me as at the Adelites on Twitter. It's a very good hello from me. And joining us to discuss all of this and more is, is he here? Is he really here? It's that man on the post, Ross Bell. Hello. I've been recalled back up to the first team from my youth position. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and a very happy return. I hope it is for you, my friend. Um, ringing the bell, uh, which you can do, by the way, if you subscribe on YouTube. <laughs> and uh, the Prince of Trickery, is that the right thing to call you? I don't know. Machiavelli, at you and Metcalf, is here as well. I don't even know where that's come from. Where's the Prince of Trickery suddenly arrived from? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. It just Sticking Machiavelli. Out, is that the impression that I, I think? Uh, is that the impression I give up as a Prince of Trickery? <laughs> So bloody creative, Donny. <laughs> Sorry. I think I think dis- disruptive prints is the kind of terminology <laughs> used, which is probably okay, nearer the truth than trickery. <laughs> disruptive prints, then. Okay. Um, so you and I, we were on the match review for Fulham. So if you want to know our thoughts, you can f- check out the match review, and I'll put a link to it there somewhere. Um, but Ross. Winning in London, three years. About How was that? time, wasn't it? It was really about time. I mean, we the stats suggest it was quite an even game, but it, it really wasn't. I think we dominated uh, maybe, what, 15 minutes before halftime when Fulham kind of got back into the game. We dominated the rest of that game, even though they had more possession, more shots on target. They outpassed us, which is a, a ridiculous stat that doesn't happen to us very often. Um, but yeah, it was a good game and happy with the win and more happy with Calvin Phillips's late, late, late yellow card, which bagged me 150 quid. Wow. Dissension, walking away with the ball. Well, <laughs> Loved wow. It. Yeah. I mean, that was totally undeserved as well. Yeah, I had Bamford to score. Um, there to be like five corners in the first half, six corners in the second and Phillips to get booked. And I was like, just, he didn't make a single tackle in the second half. I thought, for fuck's sake, Calvin, come on, just crunch one of them. And he just picks up the ball and runs off and gets a book in. Like, oh, you're my hero. Absolutely love the man. Fix, 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 fix. <laughs> yeah. I did tweet I him wanna, right after. Yeah. I don't want to take the shine off your win. Yeah. But was that the only bet you put on the game? Uh, it was, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. There you go. Because normally because normally people are like, you know, oh, I won 150 quid. But actually, they spent 500 <laughs> quid on separate weird bets. No, I have uh, spending limits on my betting accounts. So I can only spend like £25 a month. So it's literally £5 bet. That's it. If, if it doesn't come in, it's gone. So yeah, thank you, Calvin. Oh, oh that's good. That's good. I have won 150 oh. quid, but I have no house. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah I sell my child, but still. Cheers, <laughs> um, Okay. Um, so let's just get this one out of the way because Twitter went into a meltdown with Alioski. Um, you and I know this is something that you feel really strongly about. Um, and like a lot of us, like all three of us were alive around that time. You know, I was at all of those, the, the home legs of those European games, um, at the time and that it was just the most tragic thing. But even for Ross and I, uh, we were still separated from it quite a bit. Um, but you and I know you, that you were closer to it. So do you maybe want to talk about it first? Yeah, it's a really emotive subject in it. So you've got to be careful. I'm really, especially with the reaction, careful about what I say here. But, um, you know, the, the first thing I want to say is that I made my opinion on it 
privately to you guys in the group on the WhatsApp group because I didn't feel like going on Twitter and being overreactive and yeah. getting all hate filled um, or, or the alternative, which is equally as insulting to some people saying it's fine and people shouldn't be bothered. I didn't make my opinion public. I made it privately to you. And my opinion is pretty clear. It hasn't changed that I felt that the way, you know, I know people who were at that game and saw that attack in Taxim Square. I know almost by default and from many years ago, some of the Loftus family, um, Andy, Chris was obviously killed that evening. And I know people who were far closer to them than, than I am. And to say that they have been affected by that, severely affected by that emotionally. I know a guy who was, at the, who was there at the time who, who hasn't been to an away game or hardly been to a game since because of what he saw that night. And I won't go into graphic detail because the other thing I'm really conscious about is not dragging it back up for the families because it's an absolutely tragic and horrifying thing to have to deal with that some lads went to a football match and didn't come back. The amount of violence that was used on that night by their attackers is remarkable. It's just like unheard of. So there's no excuse for it. And I felt that the way that Galatasaray, their players, their fans dealt with that, the, the justice system in, in in Turkey at the time dealt with it, was horrific and didn't serve to do justice. It served to blame Leeds fans for insulting them and you know, being mis- misbehaving in the square, which again, I know really good you know, lifelong fans that went to that game who certainly were, wouldn't have been being insulting or misbehaving any more than having a drink and having a good time and singing songs. So they, many of the locals took that as an insult um, that we sort of seen to be taking over their square, which again, Leeds do everywhere and other fans of other clubs do. I just think it's a horrific um, way to deal with it from Galatasaray's point of view. So to get back to the Alioski, to bring it round to the, the modern day, I have no hatred towards that man. And let's be frank, he hasn't agreed anything yet. So people are getting hate-filled yeah. and putting comments on about something that hasn't actually happened, which just shows the intelligence of some people. They're almost waiting for something to be angry and hate-filled about. But I think that being serious for a minute, I have no hatred towards... If he did go to Galatasaray, I would not condone it. I can't have anything to do with that club or back anything to do with that club or... Um, justify anybody going there who's ever played for Leeds and has an affinity with this city and its people. I cannot justify or condone that. But by the same rationale, I can't hate a professional for going and you know wanting to sort of get a, get a deal signed to go and play football. But you, it's super um, inconsiderate and kind of stupid for a man who's played for Leeds and has the affinity that he's got because he got us promoted and people hold him in high esteem even though he's not one of the most gifted footballers we've got, because he's part of that team, my view on it is that will my my relationship with Alioski and any good thoughts I had about him, I won't be hate-filled about it and I won't hate the man, but his his contribution to us being promoted and in the Premier League will be completely be forgotten. And I will completely almost forget about him as a Leeds player because that's my my attitude is that's how you should treat anybody who's made a living here and got to know the fans and been held in such high regard as Alioski was. If you decide to go to Galatasaray, then you deserve to have that your history with this club completely obliterated from people's memories and from the history books um, without wanting the, you know death threats and being horrific on social media. Almost a quiet protest. You know, My take on this is ultimately the opposite of love is not hate, it's indifference. 
So I will be very indifferent about Alioski's contribution and his history with the, our club because he's going to go and play for one of the most vulgar, despicable teams in the world. Um, and the way they handled that situation that happened, you know, all those years ago to two, two of our brothers, two of our fans, whether you knew them or not, I think is despicable. And to say that people aren't, they weren't alive then, Alioski was only a child. I have no time for that excuse at all, none whatsoever, because it's there in the history books. There's a plaque outside the ground. We laid flowers very recently, or Calvin laid flowers very recently to commemorate the memoriam of that tragic circumstance. So let's not beat around the bush and say, well, I was only young at the time. So it's part of your history. That's like saying I wasn't around when, you know, um, Norman Hunter played or when Peter Lorimer played and Jack Charlton played, so I don't have to show or pay my respects to those people. It's completely um, using a circumstance to suit your argument, in my opinion. But these are only my opinions. I have no grudge or I don't fall out with people if people have an, ob- an objective, you know, an alternative opinion to me. But that is just my take on it um, as, a okay. Le- as a Leeds fan. Yep. Uh, Ross? Yeah, pr- pretty much very similar uh, just obviously I hate Galatasaray as every Leeds fan should it's doesn't matter if you're born if you're a kid if you're in your 50s if you're 100 you shouldn't this club shouldn't be anything you should have any sort of affinity towards mm. but also like you mentioned Alioski has a he has a job to do it's his this is his career and if we're not going to offer him a deal and a Champions mm. League club can offer him a deal on probably far superior wages than what he's getting at Leeds right now none of us could turn that down. It, I mean, probably we, if we were Leeds fans, we probably could think twice about it, but he's not a Leeds fan. He's just a Leeds player. And I've, I've become kind of, during the Bates era, I got desensitized to, to people being Leeds fans and leaving the club when Halston was sold, when Woodgate was sold before that, and all those guys came and went. They're just, they're just players now. Like I love Stuart Dallas and I love Patrick Bamford and Liam Cooper, but they're all going to go and play for other teams eventually. Hopefully not Galatasaray, but he's he's got a job to do. And if they're going to offer him Champions League football and superior wages, I'm we're not offering him a deal. That's as, as kind of as as, clear, as plain as it can be. He would have had a deal in place already if he was going to stay. I just hope it isn't announced before the end of the season because the hate he's getting online already is just disgusting. Yeah, and if it is announced as a pre-contract signing, then he shouldn't play for us again for his own not for his own safety, but for his own kind of. I don't know if he doesn't manage his own Twitter, does he? He has, he has people that do it for him, but they, they can't hide all, everything from him. He must kind of see some of it and be aware mm. of it. So for his own sakes and for Leeds' own sakes, it's, gonna be, it's been a nice season on Twitter, by and large. There's not been anything yeah. that we can get um, up in arms about, by like mm. a couple of losses on, losses on the trot. So yeah. yeah, I don't want it to go back to the ways it was. It was it's been quite nice to be a Leeds fan on social media this last couple of seasons. So mm. I don't want just one player signing for one club to kind of ruin all of that. Yeah. So for me, it's it's two distinct sections. There's like the logical part of my brain, and then there's my heart. And yeah. like the logical part of my brain says we've got no idea how many offers are on the table for Alioski. Um, he's 30 years old or whatever, you know, he's very close to the end of his contract and and this is going to probably be his last chance to get a contract in football. So my logical brain says, okay, for him as a player, that could be, for all I know, his best option. Yeah. But my heart says, 
you know, something completely different. And the reason why we love football is because it's so emotional. Um, and so you can't, you can never remove that from the game yeah. in a way. And so, yeah, I'm very, very conflicted. I think even if it was like, you know, I mean, Rob Green went to Chelsea, you know what I mean? Like we don't really care about that. So I think there's, it's either scum. If you go to scum or you go to Galatasaray, or you go to, you know, maybe you do go to Chelsea, but you're in a massively important player at the time. Like if Rafinha went or or if Calvin Phillips went, I think that would break our hearts as well. Yeah. But not to the extent that somebody going to Galatasaray has. When Kuehl went there, that broke my heart. I, right. I, I'd written yeah. him off as a, a man when he signed for Liverpool and screwed us out of the money. But when he went there and when he said what he did... Like that's just that took it to the next level. I don't think Alioski would do that. I think he'd go there and he'd be, he'd be their player and not ever mention Leeds. Yeah, and you have to imagine that Kuehl had other options. He did. Yeah, I think he, he definitely yeah. did. A lot and, of options and, from Italy, but went there for more money. Yeah, and he was there. He was at the game, and yeah. he wore the black armband, and he saw the way that that club treated everything about that incident yeah you look at how how vilified and how hated alan smith was for going to man united at a time where you could argue he was actually doing it to help the club you know bring some income in we we're in real dire straits local mm. lad guy who got us to a champions league semi-final could never question his commitment to the club yeah then my final point this is if you're arguing that you know we should let alioski go with our blessing then why? How many of those people would have hated Alan Smith for going to Man United and made those feelings known? Because to mm. me, Alioski's done far worse than what Alan Smith did by going <laughs> to Man United. But we're supposed to sort of hate Alan Smith, and and still now after many years of it got water under the bridge, but we're supposed to let Alioski go without blessing. I don't get that. And and as I say, you know, we've we've all made our feelings really clear, but everybody's got an opinion, and everybody should be listened to. I think the way that. Leeds has played itself out on Twitter. Look at how what a human being, what a great human being and what a philosopher Bielsa is. My greatest concern is if he sees this side of Leeds mm -hmm. and how fans can behave towards what a player he obviously likes and respects and 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 rates, what effect will that have on Bielsa? So all these people laying into Alioski and, and laying into other fans, just think about the impact it's going to have on a, a human being of the gravitas of Marcello Bielsa and his long-term thinking about staying at Leeds to manage for another two or three or however many years, yeah, I would yeah. imagine without knowing the man, but sort of seeing how he carries himself, that it may well have a negative impact on his wanting to remain at a club that has that kind of underbelly um, or, or those things lurking in the dark shadows because every club has them. I'm sure he's aware of that, but I just think it's, mm. It's been pretty nasty to watch, like Ross said, having had such a great, predominantly a great experience on social media watching Leeds over the last couple of years to see how things have so quickly um, gone downhill. Mm. Yeah. And the, the thing is, the thing is, just to round this off, if you criticise Galatasaray for what they did, you can't do something, you know, akin to it. Not as, It's obviously not as bad, but you can't do something akin to it because then you lose the moral high ground. Yeah. I'm Dave Simpson, the author of the, the book The Last Champions, about Howard Wilkinson's title-winning Leeds United side. But uh, today I'm talking about another member of a legendary title-winning Leeds United side, Peter Lorimer, who sadly died this week. Um, as a young kid in the 70s, 
uh, even be before I ever went to see Leeds United, I can remember playing football on the in in the local fields and uh, if anyone ever scored like a real rocket shot you know <laughs> um you would shout Lorimer as you sort of welled it between the you know jumpers for goalposts or wooden sticks as they often were um kind of imagining that you were Peter Lorimer you know he's his reputation and his shot especially uh went before him you know he was called you know hot shot Lorimer the lash 90 miles an hour which was a, the apparently the speed speed at which he hit the ball um a fantastic player Leeds United's record goal scorer of all time probably a record that's not going to be beaten now um what I loved about Peter as well as I've, as I've grown older and, and you start to appreciate things other than, you know, people's playing prowess, but you realise the, the mark of the man really. But um, he came down here from Scotland as a very, very young kid and never left. He, he really established roots in the community, which says a lot for his love of the club and the city. Um, and he became one of those people you could approach at the game or around the ground or in his public commercial that he ran for several years and just talk football. And he would do that. Um, one incident really from, from those days really sticks in my memory. I remember going to see Leeds at home against Villa and we nipped into the commercial to sort of uh, get a pint poured by the great man and you know see some of the flags and medals that were above the bar. Um, and there was no sign of him. And the chap behind the bar said, oh, he's, he's playing football, you know. And it turned out he was he was playing with Leeds United uh, Legends team. Anyway, he, he came back in and someone shouted, oh, how did you get on, Peter? And uh, there was this deathly silence, you know. He, he didn't say a word and everyone's off. You know, he's obviously got, you know, they've obviously got beat, you know. So anyway, he goes to the bar, pours somebody's pint, hands over the pint, and then just calmly just says, oh, uh, we won, 6-0. And everyone roars with laughter. You know, and I love that because uh, it sums up the measure of the man, really, that even at, you know, I don't know what age Peter would have been then, but he, he was getting on a bit, still playing football and still loved winning. And that was Peter Lorimer. OK, Frank Worthington. Um, 1982, he played. Uh, 1982, 83. Do you remember that, Ewan? Bloody hell, I'm not that old, mate. <laughs> 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 to be honest, I'd, I'd been to games before that, but as I said to you before, I wasn't a big follower of Leeds until much later. So I sort of went dipped mm. in out of games. I never remember watching Worthington play for Leeds, although I do remember him taking penalties in a sort of charity testimonial game at Huddersfield, um, the old Leeds Road uh, ground at Huddersfield. But he took his penalties against Joe Corrigan in a fedora, a trench coat, and some winkle picker <laughs> shoes. And he didn't miss. <laughs> That's my memory of Frank Worthington. Nice. Okay, Ross. Uh, no, Do you know for, anything of them? He played for Leeds two years before I was even born. I've, I've know his name yeah. from the, just the in, incredible career he had, starting in '66 and retired in '92. That's incredible. Um, yeah. But yeah, I'm, I'm aware of who he was and proper like a proper playboy footballer and just moved from club to club and went abroad. And yeah, it's a shame that goal he scores. I can't remember who it was for, but where he's, he's Doing keepy ups out of the box, flips over the over the defenders' heads and just turns the volleys it in. That's that's absolutely superb for Bolton, mm. wasn't it? Yeah. yeah, he's got this classic nineteen seventies porn star <laughs> look about him with the moustache and yeah. everything, shoulder length hair, <laughs> and um, just just purely, I'm not going to lie, reading from his Wikipedia, he was going to he, he took a medical in nineteen seventy two. For, 
ahead of a, a proposed transfer to Liverpool. And Bill Shankly took it, took a look at his high blood pressure and said, no, you're stressed out, pal. Look, just go to, I'll pay for you to go to Mallorca, right, for a week. You just go there, lie on the beach, chill out, no stress. After encounters with four separate women <laughs> during this one week. Only four? What was he asleep? <laughs> having a bad inclu- week? Including former Miss World. <laughs> he returned showing high blood pressure again. <laughs> <laughs> and the transfer fell through. Didn't, so didn't it, didn't, wasn't his, um, his, what do they call it? A fitness, not a fitness test. What do they call it when you sign for somebody? Is it a fitness test? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, medical. Medical, medical so. yeah. Didn't he fail it on a, having an STD? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure somebody told me that. I'm going to chastise the poor man's name now. You know, he's, uh, this, is, this is no obituary, Frank. I do apologise. <laughs> Charisma, flamboyance, hair, clothes, fast cars. He had four court appearances for driving in one year, including... One for doing a U-turn on the motorway in a red Ford Mustang. <laughs> Ford Mustang as well, super. <laughs> what a way to go. Yeah. Oh, dear. Um, so, I mean, what a character. Yeah. By the sounds of that, I mean, what a character, man. Yeah. Yeah, and that's, that's only the stories that you know. That's the thing. You just know there's going to be a whole load lurking that nobody sort of knows about. I remember, I can't remember where we were. I think we played a golf... Um, uh, a golf day with Leeds against Liverpool. It was like business people from Leeds and and uh, footballers. So we were in with um, we played around with um, Ankaran and played around with um, Jonathan Douglas, who was then the captain uh, at the time. Yes. And Liverpool, absolutely. I mean, it was, we, we had our stars there. We used to seeing them, Eddie Gray and Frank Worthington turned up and he held court at the bar, and it was like a really great experience just to watch him. And you could tell he had that mercurial sort of um, enigmatic sort of maverick even just stood in a bar he had like a flowery shirt up and down to the sort of belly button with a big gold <laughs> chain and his hair sort of slicked back very spiv looking little thin mustache but what a character what a guy and he was a big big lad you know he, i know he was mm. tall and sort of angular and slim when he played but um he, he sort of looked like a gangster from a kind of yorkshire <laughs> uh black comedy at the time and and but you know mm. liverpool had you know ian st john was there you know phil neal um, it was oh, a really yeah. interest, interesting day and it was full of characters. But even like to, to take that transition onto a football pitch, you could just tell he was like almost unmanageable. In, you know, all the others were being really well behaved and sort of talking to, you know, fans and sort of people around the club. He was just holding court and talking about, yeah, his conquests and so on at the bar. So he was really almost unmanageable in the in, in the clubhouse at the golf um the golf day, so God knows what he was like, you know, on a football pitch back in the 70s. Played for 24 80s. different teams. Wow, really? I didn't realise <laughs> yeah. that. Yeah. I mean, Philadelphia Fury. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Tampa Bay Rowdies. <laughs> yeah. There's some odd names in there, you know. Yeah. Ending up in, you know, Semay's Bay, Hinkley <laughs> Town, you know. Lock up your Staley dogs. Bridge Celtic, Charlie. Um, Born in Halifax. <clears throat> yeah. And does career in Halifax as well as player coach. Nice. And the season he played for Leeds was the was the first one after we got relegated. So the first one back in the uh, second division, hmm. as it was. He played 32 
He had 32 appearances and he scored 14 goals. So he was he was going at a goal every couple of games. Very decent return. Yeah, definitely. Um, that season ended with us in eighth. Um, uh, out of the 42 games we played, we had 21 draws. <laughs> We don't do that anymore, do we? I'm going to say, <laughs> stop doing that. Yeah. <laughs> 13 wins and eight losses. But I mean, 21 draws, it just shows you how <laughs> things could have gone so differently. We could have been straight back up mm. uh, the season after, you know, just with a bit more luck. Yeah. But yeah, so that was Frank Worthington. Um, and uh, now we can talk about Peter Lorimer then. Um it feels like to me we've just lost a whole group of legends. And, you know, if you throw Pablo Hernandez into that as well, um, I feel like the next time everybody's at Ellen Road, it's going to be an incredibly emotional experience. Maybe not like we've seen in, in, in years, in decades. Yeah, I think someone said on the uh, the Square Ball podcast that they're going to need to get into the, actually into Ellen Road four or five hours before kickoff just to get yeah. through the memorials for all of these guys that we've lost uh, since we were last there. And I hope mm. it's not the West Brom game because it's not going to be right if it's not a full stadium. It needs to be the start of next season, maybe. Because 15,000, 20,000 people inside Ellen Road is not going to, it's not going to have the same effect at all. Mm. Yeah. I think if they um, maybe have it on the memorial dates of, of when people have passed, maybe, and yeah, hope, yeah. hopefully by then people, are, you know, everybody's allowed back in the stadium. Others who maybe haven't got tickets can go and show their respects and pay their respects. Mm-hmm. It'd be, be brilliant because you've lost, like, you know, the word legends bandied about far too regularly these days. Um, but, you know, we have lost pure, pure legends, haven't we, from, from way back. Uh, unfortunately, it's getting to that generational time where that team of you know Rebbe's team of the 60s and 70s now they're getting to that age where he's going to become you know more regular but it seems like they've come way too quick way too often uh, recently they're still young as well 74 mm. that's, that's yeah. no age is it at all he'd been poorly, so, poorly for a time though we attended a couple of events with him god quite a long time ago five six years ago and he was yeah I think it's been uh, he'd been poorly for some time god bless him like a lot of Leeds fans these days, I wasn't around for Peter Lorimer's glory years. But as long as I can remember, as long as I've been a Leeds fan, he's been part of the club. He's been amongst the Eddie Grays and Norman Hunters, discussed in those circles, not only for the successes that, uh, that he brought to the club when he was playing, but for being a real man of the people, a real you know, panel of fans, from, from pulling pints behind the, uh, the, the the pub to meeting fans and, and talking to them on a on a real personal level um I think Peter Lorimer the the, the Leeds legend is going to be remembered alongside Peter Lorimer the lovely wonderful human being 90 miles per hour hot shot lash um so he got that nickname 90 miles per hour because he was he was clocked one of his shots were were uh, clocked at that speed um, I don't know what the XG would be like <laughs> on most of these shots. I mean, it's 0.02, isn't it? I mean, he would shoot from miles away. He goes sailing into the top corner. No, but we heard a story, we've heard a story of, um, I can't remember where this is from now. I will get into your stories, but somebody's put, uh, there was a guy on the line 
who tried to block one of his free kicks and he's ended up like half dead, you know, passed yeah. out. Yeah. He's headed, headed the ball and he's ended up passed out in the, in the goal. Yeah, I remember that. It was a free kick just on the edge of the and it hits him straight in the face. He was on like a six-yard box. <laughs> the play went on around him. I think we scored from the resulting cross. <laughs> Nobody even cared, but he was literally like... Invalided back, to, in invalided back to Blighty, sat in the middle of the six-yard <laughs> box, like being hit hit by a bloody missile. His Wikipedia said he had one penalty kick that was recorded at 107 miles per hour. That's, well, it, the thing is that I'm going to say these days it'd be hard to believe, but in them days with that ball and the kind of pitches and the boots, yeah, and the equipment being nowhere near as uh, good. God Almighty, that's a fair shot, isn't it? Yeah, imagine how hard he could hit that new Premier League football. Yeah, with 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 new boots. Yeah, Jesus. On a new pitch. Well, well not our pitch. No. I'm going to say, let's not go too far. <laughs> well, yeah, a new pitch <laughs> on, on a pitch resembling the 70s, just to pay, tri- <laughs> pay, pay tribute to him. Right, we've got that already. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, let's let's read some some comments out by people then. Um, so. I want to just start with Eddie Gray then, because Eddie knew Peter. So saw Peter the first time in 1962 at Ibrox playing for the Scottish schoolboys against England. And he said, I was a year younger than Peter and I couldn't believe how good he was. I thought to myself that night, if I want to be a player, I've got to step up to the mark. Um, in, the, in that same year, he made a, his debut for Leeds United at the age of 15, playing alongside John Charles. I mean, just uh, stopping the quote there, but I think it was mentioned on the square ball as well. Uh, can you even imagine a player playing at 15? I mean, I know Milner played at 16 now, but... I remember Brian Smith's it's... debut at 17, and he was just this gangly kid. That was right. There, like, mixed in with the big boys. I mean, a 15-year-old next to John Charles as well. It's an absolute statue of him. That, looked, that must look insane. <laughs> Okay, so I put out a tweet. Uh, I said, what are your thoughts and memories of Peter Lommer? Guys, do you want to uh, read out some of these? Uh, yeah, I've got one from uh, our mate Barney, at Barney underscore underscore underscore, is it three? 21. Um, I remember his pre-match talks in the pavilion. He was always insightful and talking about how he would prepare himself with the Revy team. It was a strange scene, a legend, like him walking around, talking to the supporters and getting to have photos with him. Like He was just just one of the guys. Uh, yeah, so Dave Devonport uh, at DMDev54 uh, links back to what we've just said about the power of his shot. But sometime around 1976, I borrowed a colleague's newspaper one Monday morning to read the report on the Leeds game at the weekend. It contained this memorable phrase, surely anything more powerful than Lorimer's shooting could be found only on NATO's secret list. <laughs> <laughs> I've got one here from Paul Hannah. Um, first match I went to was in the 60s versus Leicester. Peter hit a shot from inside the area. He missed it, but it hit one of the pillars of the scratching shed. It hit the pillar so hard, I'm convinced it rebounded back to the halfway line. <laughs> uh, one from Jane Marie uh, at Brisbane underscore LUFC. Uh, standing in the cop with my mother, I was about seven years old, knowing that when he got the ball, something magical was almost certain to happen. Life held no greater pleasure. Okay, that was my mum, by the way. 
Oh, hi, oh, Doris's mum. She's very oh, supportive wow. of our podcast. Yeah. Like hi, mum. I think I'm a. I think I'm a favourite. To be fair. <laughs> yeah. And I'll tell you why. For I'll tell you for why. <laughs> <laughs> um, got one here from Colin Warrington. Um, meeting him in his pub, the commercial, and this was my memory of him. And he got us four tickets for the game. Top man. Nice. Yeah, I've got. I've got to say, I didn't see him play either. Um, but what I do recall is going after Leeds games when we first started going, probably, well, not first started going, but when we got to about 17, 18, 19 um, and beyond, we used to walk back from the games all the time. We rarely got the P2, the service bus, because of the queues and we walked back. So often, like a group of us would be together and we'd often say, oh, go in the commercial because Peter Lorimer's got it. He actually get a pint pulled by Peter Lorimer. It was like this big draw to go in and do it. <laughs> and I remember going in after one game and memories pretty hazy when it comes to football at the best of times but we went in the commercial Peter was there behind the bar pulling pints and serving us and we were like in awe that we were getting a pint pulled by the Peter Lorimer who we'd heard so much about and stood at the bar was John Charles so you can imagine as young lads with that history of sort of never having watched these guys play um Stood, stood, stood in a bar having a drink with Peter Lorimer pulling your pint. John Charles stood at the bar. I can't remember the other player who was there with him. Um, oh, uh, Bobby Collins. So you've literally got those three stood at a bar in, in the commercial in Leeds and we're all sat there in awe just drinking this pint as slowly as possible so he could pretend to have spent time in the company uh, of these these legends and hearing the stories that they told and the way they interacted with you know everybody that was in the bar at that time was just... Um, you know, really down to earth and quite humbling and uh, magnificent experience. What a scene that is! Yeah, I know. What a scene! You should paint that, Donny. You should. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I can see it. Go- I can see the cogs going in his mind already. Yeah, there's another uh, fourteen hours down the drain. <laughs> <laughs> I-, I love making work for you, Donny. <laughs> that goal scoring record, though, is incredible. It's 138 it? goals. That's something we're never going to see broken. Like. Becchio got 86, and that's the, kind of the most recent player that's anywhere near him. Just 152 goals behind him. Yeah, amazing. Yeah. Sorry, I'll turn that you, off. You imagine the, uh, the, the, the kind of impact that had, you know, over all those years. If you think about the impact Becchio had or mm. yeah, anybody, Smith or yeah, any, anyone, they got nowhere near him. No, nowhere Chapman, near Viduka, him. all great goal scorers of our lifetime, but yeah, absolutely nowhere near um, so this is another comment um, from Mick Ward at Mick Modern. I was in Paris when he scored against Bayern Munich in 75. Danced with and kissed the French-American stood next to me for minutes before we realised they had somehow disallowed it. We are the champions, champions of Europe. Uh, we've got one from Andy Rue Hayes at AJ Hayes 50. Uh, simply magnificent and my favourite player as a child. I wanted to say that I spoke to him and that he waved to me at a night out in Leeds. I now wish that I'd gone to his pub. Big regret. I think when we've got one from uh, No Filters at No Filters 56. Um, I was in Paris that night when his goal was ruled out for offside. Absolutely no doubt we would have lifted the European Cup that night had it not been for the Bent officials. <laughs> Which is, I think is something we can all agree on. <laughs> yeah. A time where we need unifying. <laughs> <laughs> For me, Peter Lorimer was one of those players that you wanted to emulate when you were out playing in the fields, when you were playing heads and volleys with your mates, when our parents were were playing football with our friends. Um, Peter was the player that you wanted to uh, 
you wanted to scream his name while you were striking a volley into the top corner because because nobody could strike a ball like Lash. Um, there was a quote recently that Peter Lorimer was a great goal scorer and a scorer of great goals, and that he certainly was. I think my favourite Peter Lorimer goal, and there are so many to choose from, of course. I'm going back to uh, October 1971 um, against Manchester City. A uh, little flick through uh, from uh, from Billy Bremner and uh, and Lash gets onto the ball and, and flicks it with his right foot over two defenders. Uh, just watches the ball come down out the sky and then just unleashes this this volley into the top right hand corner and three goalkeepers uh, were never saving that. It was uh, uh, you know Yeboah esque. Obviously, that's where Yeboah's taken his inspiration from. Uh, it was a it was a hell of a finish. Um, you know, Leeds United's all-time record goal scorer, uh, youngest player to ever make his debut, uh, senior debut at 15 for the club, which is insane when you think about it. Playing football with grown men and showing them how it's done, but that was indicative of the attitude back then and the uh, and the way of Leeds and the style of Leeds and uh, so many, so many um, memories, so many goals, so many milestones. Um, you can attribute to uh, to Peter Lorimer, and once again, it's a it's a huge, huge loss for the for our great club. Um, but I know one hundred percent that as soon as we're able to, that the club will ensure that we we honour their their memories. Um, you know, not just Peter, but Norman and and Jack and Trevor, and uh, there's been so many that we've lost and. Uh, and we should be able to to get together and uh, and pay our respects the only way we know how, and that's together. Rest in peace, Peter. Um, and I think this is kind of how um, a lot of us feel. Anyway, this is from Sam Ward. Um, my dad's hero when he was growing up. He used to tell me stories about him and the Revy team. Then one day when we went to a home game, I saw him and I was in awe. He was the man my dad told me so much about. His records will never be broken and his legacy will live forever. Sums it up nicely, doesn't it? Um, yeah, and it, and it kind of feels like he's like that Obi-Wan Kenobi character. You know, he's the, he's the old man who was, you know, Obi-Wan Kenobi was a farmer or whatever. I shouldn't get too much into the Star Wars metaphor. <laughs> yeah, I? here we go. I'm going to do down this dark alley again. <laughs> only 20, but you know what I mean. Yeah, right? he had twenty-one caps for Scotland. That yeah, that seems yeah. A tragedy. Yeah, he got banned because he went to um, Israel. He went to play in South Africa oh, right. uh, during the apartheid. But um, yeah, what I want to say Obi Wan Kenobi is like that sort of famous figure that he was this kind of wizard back in the day, and he and he and he kind of hung around uh, doing a kind of menial task, which is. No, no offense to any bartenders or mixologists. I think they're called nowadays, aren't they? <laughs> um, uh, no offense to them, but he's our record goal scorer, and he should never have been in a position like that. He should have been completely set up for life. And without wanting to uh, copy too much of what everybody else is saying, but I mean, you've got to say the exact same things anyway. Just to say, when Scum went to his parents' house and put a briefcase of 5,000 pounds cold hard cash on their table. 
you know, and his parents rang Don Revy and said, look, they've, we've got 5,000 pounds cash here, which was enormous amount of money. You know, Revy was um, breaking the speed limit to get the last ferry over to, uh, to Scotland to make sure that didn't happen. Um, and that's the difference I feel like between our club and scum. It's just scum, just turn up, drop, drop some money in a briefcase and fuck off again. And we've got that personal touch and we always have, um, you know, and then from, so from playing football and then opening the bar and doing so much for the community, always speaking as honestly as he could and, but always being careful not to criticize the club during bad times because of his relationship with him, but, you know, being diplomatic, but always just being like a reserved and um, a, a little bit shy probably as well. And, but, you know, just such a legend and just such a sympathetic character around the club. And I think he was at the start of creating the Legion United that we know, which is a big club and, uh, 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 an expectation among the fan base of we deserve to be winning league titles. We deserve to be going to Europe. Um, and, and we didn't have that before the sixties and, and, and Don Revy and those, those players changed everything. And he was a massive part of that. And I do feel like limbs are being hacked off Leeds United mm. and we're not there to, to mourn it. I can't think of a, a positive to end on other than i think you just have to celebrate these people's lives well they'll be they'll be the the positive way to end is they'll be they'll be revered forever they've got any history people will talk about them you know the goals are there for everybody to see and and testament to the um you know the the role that they played for the club but the thing that might not come across which i felt like saying was it's rare you know the the reason why we suddenly had expectations about winning stuff was because we had the players to do it and Lauren was in that gang of players that you felt were capable of winning anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they, they were that good. And I think also that, um, you know, he remained a really humble guy forever and, and you know, didn't get carried away with any uh, reputational things or things from that era. Any player of any era that makes the crowd stand up and that anticipation of something about to happen, you could say Rafina now or, you know, Gascoigne, you know, for England, whatever, has a special place in people's hearts, you know. So regardless of the, the appearances, you know, record and the uh, the goals record, actually a player that can get the crowd on on their edge of the seats every time they pick the ball up in anticipation has a special place in our hearts and our memories. Mm. Yeah. Yep. Also. Okay, we've got we've got emotional. We've got serious. Well, it's better than being pissed last week, to be honest. Well, I don't know. <laughs> It's not to get the views, is it? But it's, it's yeah, yeah, I was going to say, you seem to play on, seem seem to get the uh, the audience in, but uh, yeah, yeah. Um, so we're just waiting. We're waiting for our mate stats now. We can do everything on this podcast: emotional, drunk, frivolous, serious. We've got the lot. Does that make young Patrick man yells at the new Anakin Skywalker? Then is he going to turn <laughs> evil on us? Yeah. <laughs> I hope not. Um, young, <laughs> yes, I was going to say, young man yells at screen, which is uh, what I was doing in my re- match reactions. If you haven't seen, uh, check out the video. We'll put it up there. I'm not going to put it up any of the cards anyway. It doesn't really matter. Um, okay. If you're listening on a podcast, that's all YouTube talking. You won't know what, anything about <laughs> it's it. It's on YouTube. So it doesn't really matter anyway. 
We've yeah, exactly. Um, so we've got a knock, knock, knock at the door, and it's get your stats out for the, the lads. lads. Evening, boys and girls. Evening, stats. Statalicious. <laughs> Statalicious is it? I can't believe his beard's grown back already. You're like, yeah. Like, God, I, I, can you say? Can you tell you? <laughs> like George Graham, mate. You like literally shave, and then you've got a six o'clock shadow. It just comes back straight as you away. You walk out the bathroom. It? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, no, tell me about it. What a man. Tell me about it. What a man proper geese need to shave every hour <laughs> I, think, I think i do stats yes how are you you all right i'm good i'm good it's been a a, a good week mm. uh good win at fulham uh last time out uh and uh in the international break is a bit frustrating but uh it it looks good to go to the Sheffield United game week on Saturday and hit that magic 40-point mark all being well uh, with another one over the blades. Ups and downs, isn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think all the negativity over if Leeds were getting relegated or not, I think can finally be put to bed. Right. We're 13 points clear. We've got 24 points to play for. Fulham have to win five more games than Leeds. The fact is that they play Newcastle, and I think they've still got Brighton to play as well. They all can't get three points in both the games. So, mathematically, though, we're not safe, safe. We're not going down. I said we're safe after we beat Newcastle before Christmas. I agree, Ross. <laughs> I, yeah. I, do you know what? I've never been once worried about relegation. No, uh, it's just been, as usual, the overreaction on uh, on social media at times. Uh, I've never once been relegated. I've been looking up. And let's have a really good end to the season. And let's enjoy the run that we've got in April with uh, City, Liverpool and Man United. It's always that strange thing when you're in mid-table and you don't know whether to look up or down. But the, yeah. that leads anxiety yeah. that we've built up over the over the seasons. Yeah. <laughs> it's always going to kick in at some point, isn't it? Yeah, and I think I saw one of you and Sings on the uh, the the other Roaring Peacock, the channel that does all the little outtakes oh, yeah. and what have you. We, we've leads it, uh, but yeah, we're fine. But I, I understand it because it's our first season up, but we've had a brilliant season, and and fans need to get that we're a newly promoted side. We've played some fantastic football. We've been on some brilliant games. We've got nine games left. Let's get as many points as we can and, and see where we finish. Oh, Stats, we, we love you. you. I, th- come on, come on. I think we were spoiled. <laughs> the other thing, Stats, is I think, you know, I remember when we were last promoted back to the, well, League One or D- Division One then. Yeah. yeah. Um, we got spoiled because we finished so, you know, I can't remember. What did we, you'll know we finished what that first season? Was it seventh? Fourth? In 10-11. In no, sorry, when we first got promoted back to... Oh, we first yeah, got in Division 1, we finished fourth. Yeah. We had a brilliant cup run uh, in the run belows, as it was, being by Manhattan over two legs. Yep. Took out some of the champions to four games. And in the Zenith, the Zenith Data Systems Cup, we lost out to us, to Everton in the Northern Area final, played a ridiculous amount of games that season. And it's different, isn't it? Football's changed in 30 yeah, odd absolutely. years. Absolutely. The money is massive. But back then, in that season, we did get spoiled. And look, happened in the following 12 months, we, we went and... One division one. So I think that's that's what people are comparing it to, you know, wrongly. <laughs> that you go up and you yeah, you can't do it now. It's all money yeah, dictates. Fourth is still on. We're only eleven points behind Chelsea. True. Well, exactly. Won two yeah. Games more than yeah, us. still probably on. But th- there's got to be, I think, a bit of realism. Yeah. That we're a newly promoted side. We've had a magnificent first season back. It's a good chance just to take stock. Uh, and, and go again for, for the run into the season. And let's have some fun. Let's, let's go and enjoy the games mm. against City, Liverpool and Man United. Let's go get some results against these yeah, sides. Yeah. Let's beat Scum. Yeah. 
We always used to measure our season by that game. If it, <laughs> yes. You know, if we finished mid-table, it didn't really matter if we beat Scum. That was a good season. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And let's go. Let's be in the battle. Bro. Let's have some fun. I, I, I don't actually think my are a great team. I watched mm. them against Leicester in the FA Cup on Sunday. I thought they were all They were exposed, weren't they? They were exposed yeah. in big time. Solskjaer might win one trophy, the Europa League. But to me, that's winning that trophy because they've been knocked out of the Champions League. <laughs> So, or, or, not really great. Ordinary great is the but... uh, mildest term I think any of us here would use that. So, uh... I'm nice. I'm a nice person. Yeah. I don't tend to swear at times, but yeah, I mean, they, they were just, dreadful. Just quickly on Ewan's point, I think when we came up in the early 90s, yeah. that was also a really different state stage of English football as well. Like Liverpool were waning, you know. Um, now, if you look at it, You've got the riches. I mean, they're swimming in oil money and yeah. and blood money, yeah. and then they've they've spent they spend billions each summer. You know, it's just you, it's you look. You can't back compete. Then, with I that. think I can't imagine. I can't remember what it was, but the biggest transfer three probably what two million, three million. Gaz went for two million eighty eight. Right. <laughs> Tottenham. It wasn't big bucks mm. back then. Nowadays, you're talking. 150 million for a star player. Right. I like the way I like the way Donny's just said. Last time we came up, you know, in the early 90s, Liverpool were waning. We've come up again, and Liverpool <laughs> are waning. <laughs> Love it. Love it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, look, Leeds will improve year by year. Leeds will improve. We're here, in my opinion. We're here to stay, and we'll get better next season. I'm not worried about doing a Sheffield United next season. I'm really not. Because I think under Bielsen, I think he will stay Bielsen for, for another season. I think we'll push on and push on and, and hope train for that, that top 10, if not top 8 next season. Okay, so, so that's uh, yeah. the title of this main cast is 90 miles per hour. Your stories of yes. Peter Lorimer. So yes. have you got some stats for us about the late great Lash. Of course, I've, as, as I always do, like to come prepared uh, for the show and, and do a bit of research. Somebody's got to. Of somebody's course, got to. Uh, that. Yeah, that's why you stand <laughs> out. They have you. They have. They have. It was another sad day on on Saturday when mm. when news reached everybody that that Peter had lost his brave battle against illness and to be the youngest ever player at 15 years, 289 days. I don't think that'll ever be beaten. You never know because the players coming through academies certainly at Leeds, but. 15 years old is, is incredible to make your first team debut. 29th of September 1962, uh, away at Southampton in, in Don Revy's side when he, when he made his first start. His first goal came on the 4th of September uh, 1965 against uh, Nottingham Forest. Uh, I worked out, I think he had five hat-tricks uh, for Leeds United. He was also the captain uh, for Leeds United a couple of games under Revy. Then he was the captain uh, under Eddie Gray. And what's interesting is once Billy came in in 85-86, uh, the captaincy was was taken away from Lash and uh, I think he made his, his last appearance in, in that season. And his last ever goal for Leeds, amazingly, was in a full members' cup tie, that defunct competition, obviously, which went up to be the, the Simod Cup and the ZJ. Z- Zenith Dead Systems Cup. His last ever goal was in a 6-1 loss at Manchester City in a group game back in season 85-86. And I'd love to see that goal. I don't know how possible it would be to have footage of that goal. But yeah, to get 238 goals in 707 games is is outstanding. And it's it's probably something that will never be beaten. And it's it's another sad, sad loss for, for the Leeds United family after 
the sad news, obviously, uh, of last summer, uh, with obviously Norman Hunter, Trevor Cherry, and Jack Charlton passing away. And just to touch on uh, Frank Worthington as well, uh, who sadly passed away this week. Uh, came in a very difficult time in this in the old first division in 81-82. Almost kept us up. He's got a brilliant goal at home to Southampton. Smashed him from the, from just inside the penalty area. And I think his signing probably came a little bit too late. Got 15 goals in, in 35 games. But yeah, it, it's sad that all these these players are, are passing away, unfortunately. What's mad about Peter is he wasn't even a striker. An attacking midfielder. That's the that's the yeah. thing. Number seven, yeah. wasn't it, Ross? Inside right, but, almost. But he wore it. It, it, it's amazing for a right midfielder <laughs> to score that. I mean, he, and he won't score seven goals in seven games. <laughs> Uh, for Leeds to score seven consecutive games, which is an unbelievable record back in the 70s, I think in 71, which was phenomenal. And you never know if that'll ever be beaten by certainly Leeds. But I know, obviously, uh, Jamie Vardy did it in the Premier League, but football is a lot different nowadays. But yeah, just a, a sad sell. I've scored some brilliant goals for Leeds. I think one of them that for me all stand out that I've seen on TV was uh, the equaliser in, in Barcelona in the European Cup semi-final second leg uh, in the new Leeds. Obviously went into the game 2-1 up in the first leg. Uh, obviously drew the second leg one apiece in the new camp. Had Gordon McQueen sent off, so they were hanging on with for 10 men. And obviously the goal that a lot of people talk about, the goal that never was uh, in the European Cup final against Bayern Munich, which who knows had that been allowed the, the the players of that era could have had the full set I know it wasn't Don's team I know Jimmy Anfield's side that, that got to the cup final but they could have probably had the full set and won the European Cup back then so yeah some wonderful memories to have a, that shot that probably nearly broke people's hands I know reading in the athletics some of the goalkeeping pieces that Phil's done is he's fantastic and as I said on Twitter uh, last week when the doors are open and, and Covid is it kind of put put away touch wood the, we're all back in that ground for that first time it'll be a hell of an emotional afternoon mm. it certainly will be um, okay uh, so did you have any more any more stats on uh... On, on uh, any more stats? He's, he's got his 200th uh, against Ipswich in 75-76. And in April 1984, he broke John Charles's league goal-scoring record uh, at Ellen Road with a penalty against Oldham Athletic, a record, of course, still stands today. And again, 238 goals from one play. It, it's the longevity, really, for, mm. t- for having that longer career. I know he had two spells at Leeds. Mm. But to, to play 707 games is unbelievable. The closest we're getting at the moment, I think, is Coops and Dallas, who are on 220 of the current crop. And like just, I think, outside the top 50 of all-time appearance makers uh, for Leeds United. So, yeah, you, you don't get loyalty like we did. Like, and I'll use, always use Matt Patissi as the example for loyalty in football. He must have had so many offers in the late 80s early 90s to go to other clubs like your Man United, your Tottenham's and what have you. Still at Southampton, saw his career through at Southampton and uh, I just hope some of, a lot of this current crop uh, are here till, till they retire really. Uh, my thoughts about Peter Lorimer, well, he's actually through my dad because I was too young to see him play for, for the Don Revy team. He told me this story uh, of a West Riding Cup match which they used to play at the end of the season everybody was exhausted. And I think it was against Halifax and, and they just conceded a goal to make it 3-3, I think it was. And the Leeds players were just, had just had enough. So uh, at the kickoff, straight from conceding the goal, Peter just whacked the ball. He received the ball and then whacked it from the halfway line and went straight to the back of the net. And that just summed it up for me, really. And uh, honours he won then? Um, so he was the, the player of the year? In 71-72? He was player of the year, 71-72. League titles in, what, 68-9 and 73-4. And, 
FA Cup, obviously, in, in 1972, League Cup in, in 68, uh, Intercity's first cup in, in 68 and 71. So he's just the, the, the one that escapes everybody, Adonis, is the European Cup final in 75, which I know I wasn't around uh, back then. My mum was at the cup final in Paris and she tells me all the stories. And I always will imagine what it had been like at least taking the lead in that game rather than have France backing by referee the game. Yeah. I mean, the, the injustice of that when... Players like this pass away. Yeah. I feel like yeah. that's also something like that you can't yeah. really forgive. Really, you can't yeah. really emotionally forgive Beckenbauer yes. or Bayern Munich for doing that. Like, what would have happened if VAR been around in '75? Right, we've had a couple St- of penalties in that game. Definitely. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Well, yeah, exactly. they'd have gone to Stockley Park exactly. and they ruled it out. <laughs> 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 it's lazy. It's lazy. Yeah, the <laughs> that's that's, that, that's yeah, true. Great. Ever the optimist, you. Yeah, mate. Absolutely. Ever the realist. Well, ever the realist some, on it. <laughs> some brilliant memories, and they're building a hell of a team up there uh, at the moment. And just yeah, I had a real. I had a tear in my eye on Saturday morning when I heard the news because we're all on a high after the Fulham victory, yeah. and it just made it for a bit of a somber atmosphere. Yeah. And as I said, that first game back, whenever it'll be for the full crowds, will be a real emotional roller coaster. Two right then stats. Okay, just enough time then for your what's your thing? Well, this weekend, and I don't know if, if you are fans, it's a resumption of Super League. Okay. It's uh, back uh, this weekend. I'm a big, big Rhino fan. My missus won't thank me for saying that because she's a big Tigers fan. Okay. We'll play each other in a couple of weeks. So uh, if I come out alive by the time the Chef United pod uh, <laughs> comes around, I've, I've done well. Uh, but yeah, looking forward to returning to the Super League. Lead start against Wakey uh, on Saturday afternoon. The competition starts on, on Friday with a couple of games. And, and looking forward to kind of getting my Friday nights back because I love watching the courage on Sky. And hopefully when ground reopen, I'll be able to get Teddingly as well as Ellen Rhodes. Okay, excellent. Well, uh, enjoy your uh, Super League, the Leeds Rhinos. Um, I hope you, you don't get uh, tackled by your missus and <laughs> I couched or whatever. You're just walking down the corridor and all of a sudden she yes. comes out from nowhere. <laughs> yes, get- it's about right forever, about right. <laughs> all right, so that's, um, so have you got something to uh, say? I have. That's your fault. That's your fault. <laughs> it's never going to, it's never not going to be funny. Brilliant, <laughs> mate. Not. Thank you so much. Cheers, boys. Cheers. Take care. Cheers. Take care, Stats. Stats. Thanks, mate. So there were stats. There you go. Love that. Like, I forgot about the Rhinos playing again, back coming back this week, and that'd be brilliant. There you go. The Leeds Rhinos. Um, Can't beat a Friday night with a couple of beers watching the Rhinos for a bit of a change. Carried the city for many a year uh, when the football club was in the. Uh, it's the darkest days. Mm. Used to uh, go with my dad. Stand up, there'd be proper proper out. stands there. Eat a pie. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was a great. Chanting family Bradford day out, bullshit kids, and all that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a great family day. I take the kids sometimes, and it's um, it's a great day out and uh, very family friendly. I remember when my, my wife used to go with her dad, and they used to send you to the front so you didn't listen to hear the swearing. That's what my missus always tells the story of. <laughs> Right. Nice. Okay. Um, so do we have time quickly for some ups and downs then? Yeah, of course we have. Yeah. Always. Ups and downs. Um, Ross, start off with you. Uh, some ups from the week and some downs from the week. Uh, ups, definitely the under 23s, absolutely smashing West Brom. Uh, Joe Hart looks like an absolute superstar in the making. He is going to be some player and hopefully get some first team football for the end of the season. 
Uh, my down is Bamford missing out on England because he deserves it more than Ollie Watkins and more than Calvert-Lewin, who hasn't seemed to score for ages. Why isn't Bamford not in that team? Let's face it. No one can argue with you there, Ross. Um, you in then? Ups and downs. Oh, God. Um, ups. <sighs> Fucking hell, I've had a shit week. I can't even think of it up. <laughs> <laughs> what a depressing week. Um, we won in London, you in. Yeah, well, listen, that feels like a lifetime ago. Was that Friday night? It was, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Can you not remember it? No, I was, I was absolutely steaming. <laughs> Oops, I'll tell you what, Oops were getting away with you, Rick, you asking me to do the, the review 10 minutes before I jumped on half cut. Um, getting away with that was a definite up. And seeing the figures, the viewing figures and the uh, the positive feedback was a definite up because it could have gone either way, to be honest. Um, I, guess, I guess a down um, is just this, you know, the constant sort of optimism of getting out of lockdown and then you hear this, you know, we're likely to get a third wave from Europe. So we're blaming you, Donny. It's all you bloody Europeans. <laughs> double kissing and sitting in bloody coffee shops far too early before we've got out of it properly. Uh, but no, I mean, it, the, the fact that, you know, that it's sort of, you get a bit of hope and then um, it's taken away from you by the, the prospect of a, another mm. wave and another lockdown. And yeah, all that stuff's been a bit depressing because bloody hell, we're ready to get out, aren't we? I thought leaving here, you would have stopped all this. What? What's that? Yeah. I thought leaving here, you would have stopped all this foreign virus Apparently coming co- over here. Co- COVID didn't get the Brexit means Brexit <laughs> yeah. memo. Didn't get that memo. If, if, only we lived, no. if only we lived on an island and we could, you know, stop people coming here. Right, yeah. Oh, dear. Um, ups and downs for me. I, I just, I just, winning in London, it's just a complete up. Um, it, it, it's a massive up for me. I was ready to cruise these two weeks uh, uh, on the joy, uh, on the wave of joy that that brought me because <laughs> it had gone on for far too long. It's I mean, 1,190 days, is it? Right. That's not right, is it? That's ludicrous. It's, no, it's not. I know we don't play in London every week, but still. Yeah, fucking hell. <laughs> it had gone beyond the point of irritation. Um, and then Downs has just been, you know, the 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 abuse and and uh, the meltdown that I see on on social media, and I have I avoid it. It's only when uh, people in the WhatsApp group or whatever uh, uh, bring it to my attention. Um, yeah, um, another up. Uh, I got my uh, uh, teeth filled. I got a filling in my teeth and my teeth cleaned, and and I got a haircut. So feel like a, a bit of a new man. I got a, a new manly perfume. Um, What's wrong with your old man? Can you? There you go. Uh, what beer? Uh, no, there you Versace go. blue jeans. Nice. Versace blue jeans. There wow, you go. Wee. The classic. So that's my new smell. Um, so that was my ups. Um, okay. Uh, lastly, then, and let's not linger on this. Do you have to let it linger? Uh, <laughs> England and the international break. San Marino. And Albania. Do we care about this? Uh, I'd care more if we had a few more Leeds players in the team. I think it makes it Mm. more interesting to watch and uh, more relevant to us. Leeds fans, we haven't had many in the England team for lots and lots of years since Boyer and Smith, I think, way back. Uh, And, of course, Calvin more recently. So um, I can't say I don't care about England because I'll watch the game and I do want them to do well. But it's becoming less of a... Just less interesting and less of a, a sort of spectator sport that I'm 
are bothered about watching. Um, and the style of football, it's like Leeds, isn't it? You know, before Bielsa. <laughs> Yeah, you know how many times? How, how many times did he go to a game thinking, "Wow, I can't wait to watch this expansive, brilliant football"? There be some great goals. Which which players am I going to to watch? These you know fantastic footballers. There wasn't a lot, was there? So no. uh, it's a bit. It's a bit like that. It's a bit meh with uh, England, isn't it? Are, are England Luke Varney? So what we're saying. <laughs> Hecking bottom. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I'm glad he's back at Sheffield United, doing a fantastic right, job. Yeah. I'm sure we'll get onto that next week. <laughs> um, we could even dedicate the whole pod to him. That'd be fun. It's the heckin' um, bottom special. Sheffield yeah. <laughs> <laughs> United certainly won't be doing that, so we might as well. <laughs> Agent Hecking Bottom. <laughs> oh dear. Um, yeah, I, I, I feel the same way about you guys as England. I think uh, it's not just the the fact that we're playing San Marino and Albania, and that that brings me absolutely no joy at all. I don't, yeah. I don't want to see. It's one of the things I like about the Nations League is that you play teams of a similar strength. And get beat. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's probably the only thing I like about the Nations League, to be honest. <laughs> But um, yeah, I don't, I don't see. I think they're pointless games. Um, never more so than during a pandemic when we're supposed to be. We're just trying to end this lockdown mm. the, the, as quick as possible, really. Um, and that things like this are just not helping. Um, but yeah, it's this other thing that you guys have talked about already as well, which is just the anti-football that Gareth Southgate plays. The massive amount of right backs, the yep. the three defensive midfielders, you know, the the seven or eight defensive players at a time, and it's it's anti football, especially when we used to be possible. Yeah, he's going to put Calvin next to Declan Rice, and they're both going to get each other's way again because they can't play together because you don't need two players doing one man's job. It's it is complete anti football. If he plays Fat Phillips with like Ward Prowse, maybe, and Foden or Lingard and Bellingham, then that's a good attacking midfield with Phillips holding the line. But he won't do. If I find Phillips, you'd have asked me. If you'd have asked me, right, ten-year-old me, after Euro '96, yeah, you know, I've been running around full kit wanker as a ten-year-old, running around full kit wanker in my England kit in the back garden playing football all summer. If you'd have asked me then. Uh, Adonis, come here, come here, Adonis, come here. <laughs> Would you rather, right, watch England or or watch Leeds United's youth team? <laughs> I would have thought, what a crazy, stupid question, England, of course, you know. <laughs> but now, fuck no. Yeah. If it's Le- if it's Leeds under twenty threes or or even Leeds under eighteens or the fucking under twelves, even Leeds, <laughs> even England. Leeds ladies, right? No. <laughs> Let's not go let's, down. There. Let's not go. Too, <laughs> let's not go too far. Sorry. I actually would watch Leeds United ladies if there were streams available. Yeah, if they were um, playing football, they were allowed to. Right, um, and also that. Um, yeah, but, yeah. But yeah. So, I mean, come on, England versus San Marino, England versus Albania. So what, we don't need to play these. You know, what a fucking exactly, <laughs> Ross. What a fucking waste of time. Yeah. Just give all those players two weeks off. Or just finish the Premier League season two weeks earlier. Just keep playing the games that matter. Right. Yeah. I agree. So we've, we've fucking fixed football again. 
every time, every week. If you, do you know what though? It's right that you said it before, Donny. Last, I think it was the other week. But why do England have to quality? You know, and other countries, Italy. You know, the, the sort of top country. It might sound a bit sort of, um, I don't know, sort of hierarchical. But if you a team who's obviously seeded. You know, let yeah, the other yeah. smaller teams play against it. Again, make it competitive. Let those smaller teams play off against each other to qualify. And save these players that are kind of apparently overworked and overplayed. And, um, you know, particularly this year where they've had a very short off-season, you know, closed season and a long season. Um, just recuperate and, and get yeah. ready for the competition. It'd make it a better competition if all, everybody was fit and... And the smaller teams that get through against each other, God bless them, they play against the big teams and get their day in the sun. And I don't see why they still have to have this traditional qualifying when there's teams who are going the whole qualifying campaign unbeaten and scoring 40 goals. And you've got like, you know, Liechtenstein finishing yeah. bottom. It's getting destroyed. You know, San Marino, minus goal difference of 146. It's like... <laughs> It's, it's money again, isn't it? I mean, that is yeah. all it yeah. comes down to. Just let, let the top 12 automatically be qualified because that makes, means Germany, who are 13th, have to try and qualify. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, so that's just about all we have time for. So if you enjoyed this podcast, uh, you can find us at Peacock's Roar on Twitter or The Roaring Peacock on Facebook or The Roaring Peacock on Instagram or imaginatively the Roaring Peacock on YouTube or TikTok. I think we also have an account now. Probably on um, Grinder as well. <laughs> right. Yeah. We're across all the platforms. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Advertising anywhere we can. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Thank you very much for listening. My name's Adonis, and you know me as at the Adelites on Twitter. It's a very goodbye from me. And joining us for this podcast was Ross Ring That Bell <laughs> at Ross Bell 1984. That's a goodbye from me. And make sure you're listening out for a special interview that's coming up this weekend with me and Stats. Right. And another play, you, you're not interviewing Stats, you're interviewing some, you, you both <laughs> a are former interviewing Leeds somebody else. United player, the last Ooh. player to score from a corner, in fact. Right, there you go. What, Liam, Which what, is Liam a Cooper? joke. <laughs> <laughs> um, and what's 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 our uh, what's our defined nickname for you now, Ewan? It's not the Princess of Trickery. It's, <laughs> what is it? I've, I've no idea, mate. You just make a different one up every week. Just not this way at the moment. I think it was the Prince of Trickery. Now it's the Disruptive Prince, and it's Machiavelli. Then it's you know whatever you want, mate. We need a, we need a Twitter poll for this. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. Do that. <laughs> yeah. 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 I'm getting the fame's getting to me because I'm on. I'm on the uh, no context peacocks now stuff. So I've, I've made it on there. Although right. I, don't, I don't think it was my finest moment. But hey, we'll, we'll get to <laughs> we'll get to that. But um, whatever you want, mate. I've been called worse. I can guarantee it. I'm sure. I'm sure. We we need to come up with a good nickname for you, Ewan. Um, dessert fitting and deserved. Yeah. Well, I'll leave it to you, boys. You know, you you you'll be the judge. All right. Um, so it's a very goodbye from Ewan at Ewan Metcalf. Goodbye. Thanks for watching and uh, good to see you back, Ross. Thanks, mate. Yeah, been brilliant to have you back, Ross. I like I've it. missed you. It's fun doing the 23s, but I like doing this a little bit more. Mm. A little bit. Well, that's a, uh, a massive fuck you to uh, Matty <laughs> and Rob. Well, they know all the stuff, you see. I don't really know any of the stuff about the under-23s. <laughs> I just wind them up and let them talk, basically. <laughs> 
I was going to say, that's uh, it's a bit like the Peter Lorimer thing about 90 miles an hour. That was the speed that Frank Worthington was doing doing a U-turn on the on the motorway. <laughs> Ross has been allowed back to the senior squad after his misdemeanours and been put in the under-23s. Right. Under yeah, man. All right, that's your lot. That's it. Come Go on. on. That's the end of the podcast. Bye. Take care. Bye. Most of our stats come from LUFC Stats or LUFC Data on Twitter. A very special thanks to Barney Stewart, Cooper Ewan, and Howard Metcalf, Josh Pearson, Laura, Leon, and Rob, the Light Show, and all our family and friends. So many